Hi, this is Jim Lobato, and I'm the president and founder of a company called Performance Group. You are listening to the podcast version of a program that originally aired on the BizTalk radio show. I started BizTalk so you would have access to today's leading experts about growing your company and yourself. BizTalk is produced by Performance Group, which is in the business of helping the leadership of growth-oriented companies realize their potential. We do this by working with your sales force and helping those individuals discover and develop their unique abilities, and then to align those abilities with their opportunities. That's why we're known as a sales force development company. Enjoy the program. On our program today is Lee Sauls. He's a leading sales management strategist and talent management expert specializing in helping companies build scalable, high-performance sales organizations through hiring the right salespeople, effectively onboarding them, and aligning their sales activities with business objectives through process, metrics, and compensation. Lee is an award-winning author of several books and is the founder and CEO of Sales Architects, the Revenue Accelerator and Business Expert Webinars. Today, Lee is joining us to talk about how to get new salespeople up to speed. Lee, welcome to the program. Jim, thanks so much for having me. Lee, let's talk a little bit about the difference between orientating a new employee versus onboarding a new employee. Let's give our audience the difference there. Sure. So, uh, first of all, onboarding has lots of definitions for, for folks, as does orientation. In my mind, when I look at the orientation side of it, that's more filling out the new hire paperwork and getting them in office and those things. Those are certainly important. But when we're looking at the salespeople that you're bringing into your organization, they arrive on the scene with potential. And so that window of time from that first moment when they arrive in your organization to when they're fully proficient in the sales role for the company, that, that's my focus when I look at onboarding. Because one of the things I, I tell clients is you don't hire great salespeople. You hire salespeople with the potential to be great in a specific sales role in the company. And that potential is only recognized when you have that structured onboarding experience in place, that development program. Lee, there seems to be a trend that's been accelerated by this uh, past recession where experienced salespeople, let's say above the age of 50, really aren't getting the looks, aren't getting hired today. That's why a lot of them seem to be starting their own business. And also, it used to be the manufacturer or the company had some type of structured learning program. For example, if you sold heavy equipment, you probably went to the manufacturer and spent one week in their classroom, in some cases two to three weeks in their factory learning about the equipment. Then you were ready to come back to the distributor and go out and actually sell. So 20 years ago, there seemed to be a pretty good orientation onboarding program And for whatever reason, that has drifted away. Manufacturers don't do that anymore. Companies drifted away from onboarding people and tried to hire people with industry experience. But that pool seems to be drying up. So in one aspect, that experience pool that everybody wants is drying up. In the other aspect, we don't see companies really embracing the concept you really need to onboard somebody. So why do you think the challenge exists with our leaders in an organization that they're resistant to actually onboarding somebody the right way? Yeah, and so there's two terms. There's onboarding and there's training. When you use the term training with a company, oftentimes, and I don't agree that it should be seen this way, but it's seen as a luxury. 
Well, if we're going to need to make a budget cut, where's the first place we start looking? What do we have in that train, training line item? We need to slash that. And when we look at it in onboarding, onboarding just seems to have a, a much stronger view, a perspective that executives have of, uh, of the term. And, you know, to, to bring that full circle, when you talked about the, the talent issue, companies oftentimes when they're looking for salespeople, they limit their search to just those that have an industry background. And when I talk with executives, they say, well, uh, you know, it, our industry is just so complex. It, 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 it's so hard to teach people. We've got to only hire from within the industry. And I always ask them the same question. So you came out of the womb knowing your industry? And, of course, they didn't. Uh, what, what's missing is that onboarding experience. You can teach your industry. You can teach any industry because anybody that knows a particular industry at some point in their career had to learn it. And so when companies embrace that concept of onboarding, that structured experience that takes the skills that a salesperson has, teaches them how to apply them in a sales role for the company, then what you have is this expanded talent pool. So rather than finding what, what often happens is the industry retreads, right, the, the super sellers in an organization, the top earners, are often not the ones on the street. It's more the, the, the bottom pool that keeps going from company to company. As one of my clients refers to it, they call them gypsies, industry gypsies. They just go from one company to the next to the next, you know, 12 to 18 month stays, and off they go uh, round and round. But what happens is now you can say, here are the core requirements we have of a salesperson in this role. For example, let's say you're introducing a new product to the marketplace. Forget the industry for a moment. You need someone, a salesperson with expertise in introducing a new product to the marketplace. Uh, I, I lived in the D.C. metro area during the dot-com boom, and, and I watched a lot of my friends leave Microsoft, Novell, Cisco, for these stock-laden opportunities with the dot-com. And as one of my buddies said to me, he says, you know, when you work for Microsoft and you call the CIO of a company, they rearrange their schedule to meet with you. And now I'm working for a company that has no brand recognition, and I can't even get in the door. And so in addition to the financial issues with dot-coms, one of the things that I've often said is, Part of why they weren't able to make it happen was they were hiring the wrong salespeople. They weren't hiring people that had the expertise in introducing a new company to the marketplace. They were just relying on, well, gosh, they worked for Microsoft, did well, therefore they should do well for me. Yeah, I think the uh, the thing I always tell uh, my clients, uh, let's expand the pool by looking for the transferable skills. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So when we talked before, you had mentioned something that made so much sense to me. It added a lot of clarity. And you asked me the question, Jim, when somebody joins your organization or joins a organization, there are certain things that they need to know, do, or use in a certain amount of time period. And quite honestly, Lee, I've never heard that explained before, that a person needs to know, do, or use certain things you know, within the first 30 days and definitely within the first 90 days and definitely within the first six. And depending how long your sales cycle is, you'll be exposed to those different things. Is that how you break down an onboarding program into that no do and use? 
Well, not the curriculum. And, and so what happens is when, when organizations, and maybe some of the folks listening today, to today's interview, say, you know, we really need to get going on, on onboarding in our organization. Where everyone likes to start because it seems so logical is, let's just dive in and start creating content. And, and you can certainly do that. But two questions I'd have for you. One is, how would you know when you're done? Because you can put content into an onboarding program till the cows come home. And also, how are you going to know if it hits the mark? And so my counsel to clients when, when we're talking about onboarding is to start first at the finish line. In other words, if Jim is described as having successfully completed our onboarding program, well, there's no expectations of Jim because he's described as successfully completed our onboarding program. So peers, colleagues, superiors all have expectations of Jim. Well, what are those expectations? What is it that we expect Jim to know, be able to do, and be able to use on behalf of the company? So as you were mentioning, that no-do-use methodology shapes that expectations pool. So when I say no, I mean information, like product knowledge. When I say do, I mean some type of an action, like conducting a sales call, delivering corporate presentation. And by use, I mean systems or tools like a corporate CRM or a back office system. Once we identify all of the expectations we have coming out of onboarding, the curriculum is designed to ensure every single one of those expectations will be met by the onboarding participants. Well, typically, don't you get the answer of my, the expectation to be, well, we expect uh, our new employee to generate two million in gross margin the first twelve months. Okay, sure. Well, Tell me how that's going to happen. What What are the actions that they need to to be able to do to generate two million dollars in sales? Oh, they need to be able to get meetings. Okay. Well, what do they need to know to be able to get a meeting? What's that information portfolio look like? What do they need to be able to use, i.e., a CRM or maybe a research tool that they have or what have you, to be able to adeptly reach out to an executive in a company to get the meeting? What do they need to know to conduct that meeting? Perhaps your needs analysis methodology. Perhaps it's the competitive landscape, your product specs, ideal client for each product, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we back up the truck, if you will. Okay, I get it. $2 million. Now let's talk about the behaviors and the actions and the activities that need to happen that leads to the $2 million. I get the impression, too, Lee, that uh, when you talk that way, I can almost hear the, the clogs turning right now in our audience with our hiring manager saying, well, gosh, Lee, I really I don't have time to do that. Can't we just get somebody who knows this kind of stuff that can set an appointment and go out and sell something? Yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I call that the corporate dream where the executive masters their golf swing and they bring in salespeople one after the other who can produce millions of dollars of revenue and you haven't had to do a darn thing for that, for that to occur. And, and that doesn't, doesn't happen. And, and the way I help executives to see is I tell the story of my, my two dogs. Um, I, we've always adopted adult dogs from shelters, and years ago, my wife and I adopted this dog, and we named him Newman. And that's when uh, the wife is kind enough to allow the husband, who's a huge Seinfeld fan, to name the family dog. And Newman came home that first day and somehow knew the rules of the house. 
He I mean, never had an accident, never did anything wrong, and he, he was a perfect dog. And so a couple years later, my wife said, gee, you know, I think Newman needs a friend. So then we adopt a second dog uh, named Baby, and that's when the wife says, well, let's let our young daughter name the family dog. And we didn't have the same experience. She dug up the yard, dug a hole in the wall in my daughter's room, would charge the door anytime someone showed up, and we were trying anything and everything, pulling our hair out, and we were almost ready to say, you know what, this, this just isn't going to work. And so we, we contacted a trainer, had them come to the house, and my wife gets all the credit here, and she and, and Baby worked with this trainer, and within several weeks, Baby had better skills than Newman. And it's still the same dog. And so the reason I share this story is oftentimes executives think that they're going to have the Newman experience where you just bring a salesperson in and no work and boom, you've got the, the perfect situation. More often than not, you're going to have someone you bring in with potential and both the salesperson and the company is going to have to make the investment in onboarding for that potential to become a reality. Lee, I, I can tell that you're, you're passionate about your topic. What was it in your own experience uh, that you discovered this huge gap in onboarding and, and the reason you're on a mission to close that gap in, in every company in America? Well, I, I've built sales organizations in several industries uh, for over 20 years. And, you know, you, you, you sit in these conference rooms and you come up with these wonderful battle plans of how you're going to take on the marketplace. And, and I saw time and time again that there wasn't a lot of time spent figuring out, okay, so what does that sales talent profile look like that needs to go sell this? And how do we help those folks become proficient executing our strategy? And I saw too many sales strategies collapse because, they had either the wrong people or they had people with potential, but the potential was never recognized. So uh, I'm on this crusade to help executives recognize that, you know, if you don't have that structured onboarding experience in place, you're never going to enjoy all of that potential that those salespeople can be bringing to the organization. You know, to share a story, sales leader wakes up middle of the night with this unbelievable idea to grow revenue, comes flying into the CEO's office, presents the idea. CEO says, wow, that's a fantastic idea. What's it going to cost to implement? Says $25,000. CEO says, $25,000? I mean, that, that's not trivial. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to write this all up, send it to me, and then I need you to go meet with several of our department heads, take them through the whole concept. I need you to run some focus group studies with our clients, research this on the Internet, et cetera, et cetera. And we should be able to make a decision one way or another in about six months. Sales leader stands up, starts walking out, says, oh, by the way, interviewed a candidate for our inside sales team. Did you want to meet her? CEO says, no, that's okay. What salary were you going to offer? Sales leader says, $25,000. CEO says, okay, no problem. Goes back to his email. Same $25,000, right? Because when we sit, talk about the idea and you think of the number of hurdles someone has to go through in an organization to get an idea 
accepted, implemented when there's dollars that have to be invested at $25,000. But when we talk about bringing a salesperson on at $25,000, no one even thinks about it. And so part of my, my counsel to, to my clients is you don't hire salespeople. Don't ever look at it that way. What you're doing is making an investment in revenue. And so when you're doing that, don't you want to protect your investment? Don't you want to make sure you get the highest rate of return possible? And they say, absolutely. It's a great. That's what onboarding is all about. You bring up a good point. We try to you justify all the investments we make in, in our organization. Yet, you know, we have salaries allocated to bring people on board, yet we don't expect, you know, what the ROI is out of that. Right. Okay. So I, I'm sitting here today, and I'm listening to uh, our program, and I'm saying, oh, gosh, you know, I should get started in this. What, what advice do you give people who thought they had an onboarding program but realized they just have an orientation program? They want to start onboarding. What's the advice you give them just to get started? Well, look at the areas of your business where you feel that you have some challenges. For example, if you say, you know what, it's just taking too long for our salespeople to be able to conduct a sales call, or it's taking too long to start seeing some revenue coming back from them. And then from there, Start identifying the things that impact. So, for example, the amount of time it takes to conduct a sales call, uh, you know, for them to be adept at doing so, and say, okay, we need to make sure that there's a curriculum in place so that they learn how to adeptly conduct a sales call and conclude that curriculum with some type of a testing. In other words, if your expectation is that coming out of onboarding, that salesperson will be able to adeptly conduct a needs analysis discussion with a CFO, well, before you ever let them call a real CFO, have them do it in your offices. Grab your CFO and say, look, we need you to play the role here of CFO. You should be able to do it because you are a CFO. And have some folks that are scoring this exercise sitting behind the salesperson and see just how well they do it. Because as soon as you let that salesperson go, there's another name for that salesperson. You know what that is, Jim? No, share it with me. Your brand. Because when they're out conducting sales calls, guess what? They are your company. And so if they look like a buffoon when they're standing in front of a CFO because they don't know anything about the products, they can't have an intelligent conversation uh, around the problems that you solve, guess what? CFO now thinks that your company is a joke. So there's a lot more... To this, to this whole onboarding piece, it's also about protecting your brand. Lee, talk to our audience about the technology you invented in order to assist managers onboarding their salespeople. Sure. It's called The Revenue Accelerator, and you can learn about that at therevenueaccelerator.com. And it's a platform for organizations, and I say organizations because there are different individuals in, within companies that actually create the onboarding experience, but it's, it's that tool set like we're talking about here today to be able to go in, identify that portfolio of expectations, create the curriculum that leads to every single one of those expectations being met, create the exams so that you can assess if proficiency has been acquired, and monitor performance as participants go through onboarding. Sounds complicated. <clears throat> Sounds complicated? I was kind of being facetious. Oh, okay. 
simple as that. Well, so what's been the experience when uh, people uh, actually take your technology and your platform, as it were, and plug their program into it? What feedback are you getting? Uh, several. One client was sharing with me that they used to have a little more than an orientation program. They had a little bit of, of training for their salespeople, and then they would just send them off to, to go sell. And their sales cycle was oftentimes close to 24 months. So the entire executive team would sit there with fingers crossed for 24 months hoping that a crop is going to come out of the ground, that there's actually going to be sales that start to occur. And if you start looking at the compounded effect of the salary, month by month you're paying. So take 24 times whatever salary they're paying, and these were pretty lucrative sales positions. And if you have a strong financial hat, you say, wait a minute, it's not just the salary, it's the cost of that salesperson to the business. So um, take another 40% on top of the salary, now multiply that by the 24 months. You start getting a real, real big numbers here. Well, they were able to, within a 60-day period, identify a mishire. You've heard mishire? This is a mishire. That they, they said, you know what? This one's just not going to be able to make it here. And they ultimately made the decision to let that person go Whereas in the past, it would have taken over two years for them to reach that same, that same conclusion. Um, we're getting feedback from folks saying, you know, we're able to get people selling much faster than we ever have before. So uh, one, uh, a minor league baseball team who in the past it was taking a year for their salespeople to feel comfortable selling for the team, now, through a structured onboarding experience, in three weeks they go from arriving with potential to being proficient so that they can effectively sell the various ticket products. You know, it's interesting, Lee, that you, you, your client used that two-year figure because I've heard that from uh, other people say, well, gosh, our industry is so complex and there's so many moving parts. It takes two years for someone to be proficient. In your experience working with people through your program, uh, does it really take two years, or, or how long should it really take? Yeah, it's a better question for the Sphinx because depending on the role, your expectations of that individual in the role, the background of the folks that you're bringing on, they're, they're, the duration is going to vary. There isn't a steadfast rule that says your onboarding program. Now, people for some reason have latched on to this 90-day thing or 100-day thing. The, the timeline by itself is irrelevant. You need to identify, again, what are the expectations of the individual in this role? What is the background of the individual you're going to put in that role? And then the curriculum is a function of connecting background with expectations. So it's just really a matter of closing that gap then between what, what, what your person brings to the table and, and where you expect them to be and providing resources for that. Absolutely. So I get the impression your organ, your platform then systematically puts that into place. Absolutely. Right. Because I could see there's an onboarding program for the person who is the veteran would be different than the onboarding program for somebody, let's say, who's, uh, let's say, new to the industry or just out of college or something like that. Absolutely. And I, and I tell clients all the time the, the biggest mistake they can make is having an onboarding program. <laughs> now, that doesn't seem to make sense, does it? No, it doesn't. Well, the issue isn't the word onboarding. The issue is the word and. Think of it in the singular sense. 
So you might bring someone on from within your industry, from outside the industry. You might transfer someone to the sales department. You might hire someone just out of school. Four different backgrounds. The portfolio of expectations coming out of onboarding doesn't change. But the path or the map to get them there does. So destination doesn't change, roadmap changes. So, Lee, is there one question today that I should have asked you that I haven't? Boy, you've been uh, you've been pretty thorough with this. I can't I can't think of anything. So, if people want to learn more about your program, where would they go? Uh, if they go to therevenueaccelerator.com, and there's a couple of tools that they can access there for free. Uh, one is if you really want to determine what the cost of a salesperson is to your organization. There's a free calculator there that, uh, that is if you have the stomach for it, because you're going to see some, <laughs> some pretty big numbers once you start plugging in your data of just the, the cost of one, adding one headcount to your sales team means to your business. There's also a free ebook, Salesperson Onboarding Best Practices, that you can download right off the site. And also, uh, we just published what I believe is the first study exclusively on salesperson onboarding. And so that report is also available for free uh, download under the site in the resources section. Lee, I like what you said in the beginning of our program that you're not just hiring people, you're making an investment in future revenues and don't you want to protect that investment. I think that's the best insight uh, from our program today. So thanks for sharing that with our audience. Absolutely. This has been fun. This or other BizTalk podcasts may be downloaded by visiting our website, biztalkradioshow.com. That's B-I-Z, talkradioshow.com. You can subscribe to BizTalk through iTunes. If you want to learn the strategies and how to take your sales force to the next level, you can contact Performance Group at 800-550-9509 or visit us on the web at pmgllc.net.